you only restructure something if there's something worth restructuring. There has to be a viable business sitting underneath it. And welcome to episode 445 of Brews News Week. My name is Matt Kirkegaard and I'm the editor of Brews News. And joining me is the regular team. I wasn't sure. I don't want to say I get the band back together again, although I just did that. Uh, the regular team of Ian Watson, brewer extraordinaire and current presently at Happy Valley and Sabrina Kunz, uh, chief. It, what's your role at the <laughs> it's IBA? Definitely not chief anything. Uh, manager strategic projects, I think, is my manager. official not title. Manager, that's a chief. Chef, chef commission. <laughs> How are you both? Well, thank you. Another day on the canning line. So, yeah, having lots of fun. How's, how many cans a minute or how many cans an hour? It, it, it's kind of, oh, it's made it's a tiny Is it? Um, so um, we're running at, you know, nine to ten cans a minute, which is um, a, a pretty, pretty – it's a pretty little line. It's a, it's a ten-head uh, – sorry, a um, – single-head machine. Um, so if it was a 10-head machine and running at that rate, that'd be appalling. But no, so it, it's running on <laughs> with what are uh, four, six, and eight-head um, machines that, that I work with most of my, my time. Um, it it's works on a par with them. It's just just less um, just less ends, and it's doing a good little job for us. And it's really just for local for, for distribution in your backyard, isn't it? So you're not you're not in the you're not in the in the majors. Not even planning on it ever. <laughs> so it's it's most of it's through um, uh, our cellar door, and there's a couple of bottle shops um, that that we sell to, but really don't go and and uh, seek it because it sells out so quick at those stores that um, um, we we don't we don't need to at this stage, um, but it. It certainly suits our our needs, um, and yeah, it's doing a good job. And you got to love a uh, you got to love a canning run day where across two products run through it, uh, canning all all morning, and didn't have a single underfill. Oh yay! Which is, is problematic for the brewers out there. They'll know that's problematic. I, I was going to say it means you've got nothing yeah, to take that's home. What, that's what we drink. Yeah, is underfill. So um, yeah, but no, good, good, good from the business side of the point of view. That is a great name for the brewers' reserve. For, for a brewery or something like that, you know, the underfills, the underfill range. So it's the ones that the brewers get to take home. Yeah, it sounds like maybe a band that's run by brewers is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you, people have often, you know, talked about was Zwickle beer and, oh, this is the beer that brewers drink. And it's like, what, underfills? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a joke about something being underwhelming. So, um, you know, that's pro- that was going to be my segue. So probably not what you guys were going there with underfill. Um, but underwhelming, I just returned from a lunch. Um, my week's panning out um, interestingly and, and we'll come to a couple of the issues shortly. But I just had an hour-long lunch. For those of you who know that Russell Steele of Easy Times is known as a little bit of a... Um, licensing expert here in Queensland and he's just been spending an hour giving me a brief very rushed rushed hour a brief on all of the licensing issues here in Queensland so I'm sure there'll be more of that to come but um whoo boy that man has a lot of information in his head so shout out to Russell who I know listens every week <laughs> and does the quiet work and and Russell is like well he does have a uh, in Queensland has a uh, RSA um, Russell Steel Associates, which is the licensing business. But he's just been in the industry for for so long, and he's one of these people that just gives his time so freely 
um, despite having a, a paid commercial job that hopefully uh, pays his mortgage, but he also, you know, gives so much free time because he's a wealth of knowledge. So, you know, big shout out to uh, Russell if anyone needs some like This is non-paid. Well, I was actually saying to him, Matt, he started pulling out and then there's this issue and then there's that issue. And I said, don't you have your own job? <laughs> like this is all on top of his own job. So um, it was it was interesting to say the least. Yes. So, uh Anyway, uh, how about we get into the news of the week, and that is led by another week, another voluntary administration. This week, it's Dayton Beer entering voluntary administration to facilitate restructuring of the business. DICOM Australia PTY LTD trading as Dayton Beer has announced their decision to uh, appoint an administrator to help facilitate a financial restructuring of the business. Dayton operates a craft brewery and tap house in Carrum Downs and a second tap house in Croydon. DBA Advisory Administrator is supporting the continued operation of the business. Dainton's directors have taken this step to deal with financial losses the business has accrued from what they just, and this is from a media release, ill-timed expansion in the face of declining consumer demand. I think there's uh, something in that for all of us, really. Um, the directors are working with the administrator on deed of company arrangement proposal, which will provide a uh, framework for uh, restructuring the business. And um, I'm, I'm just going to sort of, uh, preface our discussion of this by saying, uh, I got a call in advance of receiving the media release, um, and you know, editorially, it's a very hard decision. Um, you know, do you do we interview uh, them um, and ask questions at this stage? Um, when the the reality is, any business going to administration is going to tell you what the administrators have told you to do. So we decided to just publish the media release. Um, to, to make the announcement and give their their point of view because I don't think there, there are a lot of questions that should be asked in these times, um, you know, uh, uh, about staff and a whole lot of you know, other things. Um, and particularly in this case, you know, Dainton is a business that has twice gone to raise funds with equity crowdfunding, including in August last year when they raised almost a million dollars and, you know, there is a lot to be said, um, and there have been a lot of. I've fielded a few phone calls this week from brewers um, talking about equity crowdfunding. Um, you know how a business that raised a million dollars last year um, can be in a position where they have tax debts and things like that, um, and then also a number of brewers, um, an increasing number of brewers, I should say, who are expressing dismay um, is probably the way to say it at the number of breweries that are going into restructuring to you know restructure their tax, tax debts and the, the the view that I'm hearing from brewers is why are we wasting our money paying back tax debts when we could just do this ourselves um, and this is an issue that is causing increasing conflict you know, in, in quiet conflict in the industry as some businesses are using voluntary administration to, uh, you know, get rid of tax debts. Um, and all I can think of is industry suppliers who are once again, you know, this isn't pointed at Dayton, I, I need to say, but we have had a run of businesses that have followed this. We're hearing a lot more of it. So, like, it's not finger pointing or anything like this, but this is a very general discussion that there are businesses that are expressing, you know, why shouldn't I do this as well? Um, you know, why should I keep paying my tax debt? And it's another business that's going, you know, it's 
another haircut that the ATO is going to take um, and these sorts of things, if enough suppliers get, you know, burned um, and enough and the ATO, you know, gets burned, then there's nothing that the ATO can do in the short term, but every business is going to find a very inflexible attitude from the ATO going forward. Um, so anyway, that, that's that. There, there's a whole lot of discussions. There's a whole lot of questions I would have liked to have put to the, the, the brewery. I wasn't going to get answers, so we just published the media release because I think uh, we're, we're, we're past the stage where, uh, yeah, I, I think some serious discussions need to be had around you know the, the, these issues because brewers are certainly uh, raising concerns about it. I think that's a good segue, Matt, into I led a discussion um, of three uh, folks in the um, experts, as you were, on this topic, including um, someone from DBA Advisory yesterday um, as a webinar for IBA members. And so that webinar was called Exit or Survival, What Are Some of Your Options?, um, I encourage you, if you're an IBA member and you didn't attend, I should say it was a very well-attended discussion with a lot of questions asked by members. I've heard great things about it, I, I have to say. Um, I, if you didn't attend that discussion, um, uh, it is available online um, as an IBA member resource. I add the caveat that I've learnt that I've definitely got a voice for radio and not uh, for visual production because I was too busy worried about the questions and looking at questions to actually look at the camera and think about production. So uh, room for improvement when you're watching the video on that front, folks. But in terms of the content of information available, um, I actually, Matt, the reason I sort of made a sly face earlier was I used that exact phrase, there's been a run on administrations, to the administrator, at, at, to um, the Richard from DBA as part of that conversation and, and quite frankly said, look, people are looking at this as if it's a panacea as if we can all just all of a sudden magic up an administration, get out. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. And that yeah. was my point, you know, like, dear industry, it is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. There are issues that come from it that are ongoing. And so I encourage you to, if you are an IBA member, um, listen, to, listen to that and get some practical advice. Um, but secondarily, I mean, I think it's raising, there were a number of issues that were raised that, quite frankly, even in the... Um, uh, Bruce News comments on the post of this uh, on Facebook from folks in industry were really um, interesting in terms of we're certainly seeing, I believe, to your point around relationships, as the market tightens and as it becomes challenging, the thing that makes craft be unique and that is our collegiality is being tested and it's being tested as business becomes harder it's looking at other people and thinking, Jay, gee, they're getting uh, they're getting a free ride out of this. They're not paying their tax debt. It's looking at somebody else and saying they're um, selling their kegs cheaper than I can because they don't pay excise because they're under the three hundred and fifty thousand dollars threshold. Um, there are all sorts of these little micro fractures that we're starting to see as an industry as the conversations get harder because the market is getting harder. And I think, you know, for me, some of those things are, you know, Matt, you and I have talked about it for a long time, unintended consequences. But from from my perspective, um, it is a shame that we've had a run on, run on inverted commas of voluntary administration. I think that, um, and certainly based on the conversation yesterday, um, 
February is going to look really tough. Um, I don't think we're anywhere close to out of the woods yet. Um, February is when a lot of excise remissions um, fall due. Um, if breweries haven't had the bumper a Christmas season that they're hoping for, um, there's cash flow issues. There's also increased, again, listen to the presentation, increased um, ATO uh, enforcement ongoing. That has got nothing to do necessarily with the brewing industry in and of itself. That is an ATO edict to, uh, to um, as again was explained um, by the legal expert yesterday, is an edict by the tax office commissioner to collect outstanding debt. Um, the beer is just one component of that. And so I just think, you know, we can't lose the forest for the trees in the sense that beer is a great indicator of what's happening in the broader economy. Some of the decisions that were made by businesses during COVID um, because nobody had anticipated them has really sent people off track and it's hard to know what they would be absent COVID. Um, but the question of ATO debts was the number one hot issue um, facing breweries. So if this is, if if we use Dainton and others and, and Bad Shepherd as the canary in the coal mine, we are not out of the woods yet as an industry. And, and I just want to come back to that collegiate point because as we start working through this, it's really hard. And actually a couple of times yesterday I said, gee, this is really heavy. These, this information is really heavy. But participation from breweries was high. And the overarching message that I delivered on behalf of the IBA that I think is something that Ian talks about regularly, folks, you're not alone. If it's hard, take a step now. Take action, gain some control. Don't sit there in this state of I don't know what to do before it gets really bad. Take a step, reach out to people. If you don't know where to get the best advice, um, contact someone, contact the IBA, people can share you. But if we lose that essence of collegiality now, of working together now, of being a collective unit, pardon my French, but we're f in the future because the big guys win because we cannot, we cannot win the war if we don't stick together. And I fundamentally believe that. And so I just come back to we can't lose the essence of craft beer as we deal with all of these individual struggles. Lots to unpack. Look, I, I think we must remember, um, and I can understand it, uh, the position of thinking that brewers are just using this to get out of an ATR. Uh, and that, that's, I hope that wasn't my that, no, the, no, the no. point. There, there, was, there, it, there it, certainly are uh, many sort of feeling that way, and I can fully understand that. Uh, and as an Australian taxpayer, uh, as we all are, I understand that because that's our money as the Australian citizens uh, that would be used for many good things. However, I don't think if you think that using VA is a way to um, get out of your tax debt, remember it's a friggin' roll of the dice. Uh, you could go and do that there and think that that's your way out of tax debt and you could end up with a liquidated business and it's all gone. Um, because all it takes is if, if your ATO is your, your majority of your dollars and then you have a couple of creditors that go, you know what, I'm over this. Uh, I'm, I'm writing, you know, I'm, I want to write this one off. Um, you could, the whole thing could fold on you. So I don't think anyone should ever consider that as a way of just getting out of out of debt. And a business should, uh, should and would only do this if they are in a difficult, truly difficult financial position that they cannot see a way to recover from and they have to bring the experts in. The other side to it too is that coming through VA is not 
getting out of the woods. You're not out of the woods if you come through VA. You've still, there is an underlying reason why your business has got into this trouble and you have to be able to solve that. The financial restructuring will only uh, level things out as they are now. It does not necessarily write off the underlying issue that's caused the business to get into problems. So we could see mm, in point. a year, 18 months' time, many of these that have come out of VA go through it again. Go through VA again or just be liquidated, just, just go. Ian, that was a really um, interesting point. I don't want to take away from this being an IBA resource, so I encourage everybody to go and either read the transcript or watch it. But one of the insights that came out really clearly from um, two of the experts, including um, Andrew Jago of SRJ Walker Wayland, who's based here in Brisbane, and Richard from DBA, is there are two questions that they fundamentally approach it with, and it is, is there a viable business underneath all of this? And are you motivated? What's your motivation? So you only restructure something if there's something worth restructuring. There has to be a viable business sitting underneath it. And if folks can't clearly articulate that, change their strategy, come to the party with an open mind, uh, have clear motivation, know what they're going to do next, then, you know, the advice from all of the folks is going to be, it might not be worth restructuring. It might be worth liquidating from the outset. So, restructuring is only a thing if there's a clear sort of outcome, um, if you've got a real clear understanding of what you're going to do next. And so I encourage again, you know, the advice from everyone was get advice from lawyers, accountants, business advisory, whomever you need as early as you can. Don't just let the problems compound. Don't just think you can solve them all on your own because um, if if you undermine the totality of your business and you don't have a good plan, then there's nothing left to restructure at the end. And, and, and that's, yeah, uh, working out what the underlying business is or should be um, is one of the huge challenges at the moment. You know, we've talked about the maturing craft beer market and things. The market that brewers are operating in now is fundamentally different than the market that um, operated, you know, eight, five years ago. Um, although I'd, you know, it's very easy to sit back not owning a brewery and say this, but I actually think a lot of the challenges that we're seeing now don't have anything to do with COVID and don't have anything to do with the economy. They've made it worse, but I think there are a lot of structural issues that have changed um, where a lot of businesses, like very few businesses eight years ago opened wanting to just be a small little brew pub, just a small little hospitality venue. Most of them looked at distribution on some level, um, you know, because the retailers were taking beer on, beer was in growth, uh, major retailers were looking and small retailers were looking to increase their, 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 their shelf sizes. And so a lot of businesses had a wholesale model to some extent. To a large extent, that's gone now. You know, um, brands going national through the retailers is not going to happen unless you can meet a price point that is unattainable for a lot of small breweries, um, unless you can support your product nationally for pull-through because getting ranged is no longer the, the outcome. Getting ranged and sold through is the outcome. So a lot of businesses that grew to that mid mid-level size 
are finding that their growth arrested and has potentially even gone back unless they've managed to keep that ranging. And there are very few breweries that have. But then even a lot of the small independents that went big into craft beer when craft beer was in growth, um, you know, I'm, I'm going in there and seeing very old beer being, you know, they've got a huge range, but a very old beer. Um, so quite apart from the consumer impact from, of having old beer, clearly the breweries that are selling this beer aren't having a huge financial return. They've sold once by and large and that's it. Um, so, you know, what is the, what, what is the underlying business model um, that you can restructure to, particularly when you do see some of these businesses um, that, you know, that, that, that's why I said the, uh, it was very insightful or very instructive, um, Dainton saying um, its losses accrued from an ill-timed expansion. I mean, I don't know why anyone was expanding in the last two years um, anyway, because the, the, the problems that we're seeing now have certainly been evident for a while. The interest rates are only a layer on top of that. Anyway, that's uh, uh, I'd be keen to hear your uh, thoughts. I think all of that is absolutely true, Matt. I think, you know, I, I've been obviously looking at the structural challenges for indie beer in detail over the last couple of months. And, you know, I will say that I genuinely believe, based on data, that the changes in the retail environment are a new structural change that are new in the last four four years, if not eight years, and those structural. Oh, it's just, and we, we yeah we've we've talked about that on the podcast before. Yeah, anyone that came into the industry. So, yeah. so I think that is different, and that it, and I'm not sure that that was widely understood until perhaps even the last 12 months because or 18 months to two years because I think there was so much other movement in the industry. There was still growth. There was still, you know, Lion about to buy Stone and Wood. Those things still sort of coloured the actual views on what was possible for a brewery to do. But I think COVID masked that as well because COVID gave the appearance when suddenly uh, there, there was a huge sugar hit on packaged beer um, that, you know, again, the benefit of hindsight and, and all of that, and I acknowledge that, but the, the the switch to package that a lot of breweries benefited from was at a time of huge amounts of money washing through the economy thanks to the government. You know, everyone was buying sofas and alcohol um, and that was never going to continue. You know, it didn't take too much thought to think, well, once pubs open up again, is this going to continue? And so you, 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 you're gambling with the future um, in, in some of those expansions. Yeah, a lot of businesses are gambling with the future, you know, particularly in that sort of three-year environment that we've been in. But I, I just flag that as, to be fair to some of these businesses, even if they started five years ago, they started with a market that looked like it could do X, that national ranging was possible, that it did, that there was a that there was a path yes. to yep. market access that enabled you to grow. And I think what um, the data has borne out is that that role of the dominant retailers, and that's a phrase uh, you'll see me uh, utilizing more and more, um, and 
uh, and that structural change around home brand beers has been significant. So I just think that is one that from my sort of folks maybe didn't see it coming and I don't know that as an industry we've really we've really focused on the existing situation for a long, long time, which was um, wholesale beer into hospo, you know, we've only got 10% taps, but I'm not sure that that shift in the retail space was kind of sort of as lit up as maybe it could be. And so from a, an awareness perspective, I can definitely see why breweries didn't see that um, coming um, and why, you know, people could have been caught flat-footed. So I want to give people leeway to say, you know, I can see how that occurred. Um, but I do think, you know, what's interesting to me is, you know, we've got co- commenting on this post um, you know, I've, we've got Stu McKinley, Yeasty Boys. We've got Joss Ruffell. Uh, um, this is on Radio Brews News Facebook comments in relation to this article. Yeasty Boys, Joss Ruffell found a garage project. Um, you know, folks are watching this and seeing folks in the industry, you know, the comments are more to come. Um, more to come, I suspect. Um, and, you know, Stu's comments was, few people have any idea what it's like mm. in hospitality right now. All the best to family, staff and stakeholders. And I was talking to somebody else who's involved in a different aspect of hospitality who was just saying it's it's been a real challenge and if they focused on how difficult it is, how many staff they've had to lay out what they do, they would just not survive. So, like, it, it is just heavy going right now. It's tough times. There will be more. Um, and as I said once before, you know, considering how many hundreds of physical breweries there are in this country and how few closures we've seen over the 21 years that I've been working in the industry, they have to happen at some stage. And, of course, with tougher economic times and with unusual setup that we've had and changes over the last three, four years, um, it's the time when it's all come to a head now. But that's where, again, these, and, and again, I want to stress that not calling any, you know, not pointing to anybody or anything like that, but there is, uh, there, there is a, a thing happening at the moment that we're seeing and needs to be talked upon. And I think, you know, and, and I think I've said this a number of times on the podcast that, you know, when craft beer started, it was a new thing. People weren't aware from it. It needed, cheering to get going it needed beer festivals to get it out there it needed to educate it needed excitement to give people a reason to to try it but i think that the industry um for too long has not wanted to have the hard conversations it's needed to you know and it's it's still in that um insecure we need to be supported we need to be cheered on you know we we don't want to have the hard conversations phase and because we haven't had these hard conversations and there has just been conversations about businesses selling for how many millions dollars you know the, the perception to the casual observer is that it's an easy business um everyone's making money and you can make money grow and sell for a fortune that that has brought too many people in believing. And and I, I can only go on the conversations that I have of businesses that have been opening uh, over the last five or six years. And I say that, you know, are probably more robust in my observations off mic than I am. And almost inevitably, they point to the positivity of the coverage 
that the industry has and that no one wants to talk about these issues and these you know the, the, these are issues that have to be talked about so that, that's that's why you know I, I want to say I'm not having a go at anybody but using looking at some of the challenges the industry is facing through the prism of you know businesses going through VA I think is a very very important conversation that has to be had. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and you're right. There are things that haven't been talked about because no one wants to ever talk about the tough uh, stuff as much. It's not as it's not as fun as talking about, you know, the latest hot variety or, or whatever it is or it's cheering and supporting um, each, each, each other. And we do need to have those conversations and I certainly uh, don't back away from, from, from that idea or that, that fact that we, we need to do that. And... Something that our industry has been a little bit unique in um, compared to many others, and this may come out the wrong way uh, a little bit, so please forgive me if it does. But I once before compared um, craft beer or the independent beer space to the Ramones and that everyone that heard the Ramones went, I can do that too and want to go and start a, start a band. Fortunately, though, if you go and start a punk rock band to be inspired by the Ramones and you can only play three chords... Um, and you're not really good at playing those three chords, it doesn't really matter. Nothing gets hurt. Nothing money gets lost. You suck. That's it. Um, <laughs> if you get inspired by uh, by something like this and you go and invest a lot of money in and you have no industry experience or no one in your organisation has the industry experience to know how to actually um, produce the product professionally, how to market the product professionally, how to sell the product professionally, how to distribute the product professionally, how to keep your accounts um, up to date and in order. If you don't have the background in all of those areas, there's a world of pain that, that can come. Sometimes you might be lucky and you might learn all these things on the job in such a way that you can keep rolling, but that's a pretty big gamble um, to to have. So there is possibly a bit of that playing in there as well. And I, I do hope that that come out the right, the right way. I think 15 years ago, you could, the, the industry, my analogy, not the Ramones, my analogy is, you know, if you bought a house 20 years ago, you know, at the start of the property boom, when interest rates were, were low, you were never going to get yourself into into trouble because even if interest rates went up, property prices were doubling every four or five years. So even if you had to sell, you're always going to get your money back. Even if you would put in an infinity pool and, you know, gold taps, you are going to get your money back. Um, and I think, you know, craft breweries that opened 10, 15 years ago had room to make mistakes and had room to learn those things that you talked about. Breweries that have opened in the last five years opened in a very different market. Um, and they, you know, they didn't have the same space to have small failures and change their course and pivot and, uh, and, and change. Um, and they, they've been found out much more quickly. Yes, they're, they're going up against operations that are becoming more professional in those five to ten years. Taking a different look at it, look, again, I just keep thinking about this sort of what does this mean structurally for the industry? And as I say, um, I've been looking at that quite a bit lately. And, and to, pu- to, to put this in context, um, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission has looked at the beer industry on multiple, multiple occasions in multiple different ways to assess its competitiveness and ultimately is always concluded that there is no competitive pressure on the large two breweries other than each other. So 
Essentially what that means is it is said that CUB and Lion are the only competition in the market. And for example, if Coopers, that represents the next closest in market share at 5%, was to be acquired by either one of those large businesses, it would not substantially lessen competition in the market because it basically doesn't consider all of the 600 plus small breweries and or Coopers to place any competitive pressure on the large breweries. So Matt has talked a lot, you've you've mentioned this over the years, of sort of cannibalising what would have been good breweries but for small breweries starting up. And, and it, both of you have just talked about how easy it is somebody goes, I'm going to build a brand and they build a beer brand and maybe they're cannibalising sales from another business that would have been viable but for that new entrant. But to put it in perspective, to create a new entrant that is a size and scale that the Australian Consumer Commission would consider to place a competitive pressure on the large two breweries, you need to build a $100 million plus brew house and sell that much beer. That's the size and scale that we're talking about. And so perhaps structurally what occurs now is those businesses that don't have a strategy and a plan, and I don't want this to sound harsh, I want this to sound as sort of what could come of this um, for the industry in the next 20 to 40 years, appreciating that this is people's lives, businesses, you know, identities, and, and this sound can sound cold and harsh, and, and I appreciate that. That's I'm trying to sort of step back. But those businesses that wouldn't have been viable, that don't have a clear business plan, that don't have a clear um, mandate, if they drop away, perhaps some of the other businesses that would be viable but for the competition in the 15% slice that is indie beer, maybe those businesses can become more robust and over time collectively see some traction a force and encourage and advocate for changes that create an underlying structural difference in the economic environment for the market of beer. And then those businesses can grow and be successful. So so again, I just sort of go, maybe there's less businesses, but the skilled talent, there then becomes enough of for the businesses that are left over and so on and so forth. And so that may be an opportunity as a collective it sucks for the individual breweries and individual people and not everybody can be their own boss and have their own brand and all of those things that people love about it. But perhaps um, the in, the investment in the viable businesses um, will force the innovation and the competitive pressure that we need. Um, so, you know, that's not it's not a great it's not a great take, but um, it would be a positive outcome. It, well, it's it's something the industry needs to work to, you know, uh, absolutely, because you know there isn't a lot of competition. There, there's not a lot of possibility to grow in in the way that the market. It just feels harsh, Matt. It feels a bit shit, um, but I think that's sort of you know. Um, we want to have a viable beer industry and below that a viable independent beer industry in forty years' time, and so. I have the luxury of keeping my eye on the forty-year prize and not on the on the thirty-day um, payment cycle, and so you know that's what I try to do. Are you saying that I don't have the luxury of time, Sabrina, <laughs> at my age? No, I bet. Well, poor breweries. I just feel for them. Like they're in the fight of their lives at the moment. <laughs> oh right! I thought you were drawing a comparison old. between our various uh, ages. <laughs> no. <Are> you... <laughs> no. 
that. Um, anyway, moving on. And, and moving on to some brighter news. Um, the future looks brighter for Willie the Boatman. The future of Sydney's Willie the Boatman brewery looks more secure with the owners signing a new lease at its current premises. In September, founder Pat McInerney told Brews News that doubt about the future of the brewery's location and the economic uncertainty that he was operating in had left he and his partners unwilling to commit to signing another lease with the current lease due to end at Christmas. This week, McInerney said that since flagging the potential closure, the business had received huge support from its community, but also from its current landlord, who had offered the use of empty spaces in the complex. We've been around now for 11 years, and I think it was a wake-up call when such a brewery is, uh, well, is saying, hey, guys, we're on our knees, McInerney said. There's been a lot of thinking done and a lot of conversations that Brews News has had on Beer as a Conversation. I thought that was very nice. He's uh, gotten a lot of benefit from the conversations that we've had that has provided some uh, thinking space and uh, inspiration. Um, and uh, that's helped him rethink the business. I don't think a brewery alone in the inner west or anywhere in Australia is going to survive just by being a brewery. He said that he approached his landlord to work to activate the area to draw more people in for more than just the brewery. We've got pop-up stores. We've had a giant plant sale this week. We've had fanzines and a record fair on the weekend. We've got Santa Paws, which I think is when uh, people bring their dogs in to meet Santa Claus. Um, we've got a series of events that have gone, okay, we just need to get people in, not just to enjoy beer, but to know that there's a reason to come and enjoy the beer. So, um, hey, talk, so the Brews News effect, not just for our advertisers, the Brews News effect for breweries that are finding it a little bit tough. Um, so, you know, that, that was nice to hear. But then also just very, very exciting that they've found a way forward. Yes, excellent. And this is um, what we were talking about before. It's not just getting uh, not. It's realising that there's a difficult um, issue before it goes too late and then doing something about it, taking um, the steps and trying to do something. So good good for them that they, they're, they're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel now and uh, pushing themselves away, uh, away forward. Um, so brighter in this case as compared to, compared to what we were just talking about. And I think, look, they've really honed in on what I think the strategic requirement quite frankly I was going to say opportunity but requirement for for craft beer and craft breweries slash indie breweries however you define it it's that connection to community and what they have unlocked and what he talks about is growing your community growing the people that want to use your venue being part of different things multi-venue opportunities and and I just that is sort of that has formed. It has been one of the pillars that has grown craft beer. It is what craft beer does differently. I want to stop using craft beer because it's such a nebulous definition. But um, beer, beer, well, yeah, but not the small beer. Small beer. Let's call it small beer. That small small brewers community breweries do um, differently as they develop their community, and I think that is something that sure Great Northern can get you know, all its likes and et cetera. But those one-to-one relationships, the 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 creating the third place, the supporting your in your local, really being um adding value to that local place that you are and that provenance and all of that, I just think is such a requirement. It is what I mean, Cooper's just launched, they just did a media release, didn't they, on um this big can that they've got going around, virtual can, but they say it's on the back of data that shows consumers still want local product. So I think it's a requirement. I think Willie the Boatman have 
done, as you said, Ian, which has sat back and gone, how are we going to be viable going forward? Are we motivated to commit to this? What business model are we motivated to? And they've honed in on the the pillar that is craft beer, small beer. And um, this is a great example of what folks um, can be doing right now and can be getting some advice to support them to do. Love it. It's great. And the only other thing I'll say is, like, you know, even coming out and, you know, saying that they were having troubles, I think, helped them, you know, rather than just getting into a pickle, you know, just to say, look, here's the situation we're in. And it does, you know, so many businesses spend so much time advertising to say how awesome they are, you know, telling people that, hey, you know, we need your support, um, gave them a chance to value the, the business while it was still around. It, it's the same as, as mental health when they have issues with um, depression or anxiety. One of the first things is, is acknowledgement and being able to reach out, uh, reaching out to others so that others can help you. And as you say, Matt, there's this piece around people just think their local is going to be there forever. They think if they don't go this week, next week, they're pinching their pennies, it's fine, it'll still be there. And the truth is that if everybody does that, those little breweries aren't going to be there. So, you know, we know, um, but certainly and they're always surprised when they, you know. Yeah, they're surprised when they fold. So by being honest and saying, guys, we're really struggling, we're contemplating closing our doors, their local community goes, that's an asset we don't want to lose. So how do we get involved? And I think that's to your point, Ian, about being honest and open about it. Um, it lets people know how close you are to walking away. Uh, moving on, uh, just a little one, Brewery Radar, November, a little bit quieter on the brewery opening front, which is probably a good thing. Um, updates from 17 breweries or brands with four brewery openings, one development application approved, one brewery and tap room that is no longer going ahead, um, and another 11 in various stages of planning and development. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on, on what's going on. Just a commercial uh, bit of news, the 2024 Royal Queensland uh, Beer Awards entries are open. The Royal Queensland Awards is dedicated to unearthing the nation's top food, wine and beer products. The Royal Queensland Awards Beer Awards gives brewers a platform to shine, to be judged against their peers and get great consumer market exposure. The 2024 Awards program is expanding to showcase, uh, to further showcase Australia's outstanding brewers and their products, introducing two new trophies for Best Contract Brewer and Best Artistic Label. Uh, so I think I would be very surprised if that wasn't sponsored by Rowling's label stickers and packaging, given they've been big supporters in the past. The nation's top brewers are invited to battle out for the title of Australia's best and entries are now open. Visit www.rqa.com.au for more information and to enter. You'll find links to that in the show notes. Um, speaking of, you know, uh, if, if you want to, you know, I'm sure they have absolutely no sway in the judging of the uh, most artistic label, but rallying stickers and packaging can make sure your labels look competition quality. Give them a call uh, on 1300 852 235 or email sales at rallyingsprint.com.au and give yourself the best chance of winning that label trophy. Uh, <laughs> in other news, uh, before, <laughs> before I move on to the uh, other news, other news, uh, anyone got any other news that they want to talk about? Anything that anyone wants to raise? Probably related back to that one. The um, RNAQ and their best new uh, contract brewer. I like the the fact that they used that term um, for it rather than the term used by some others. Um, and I would also love to see um, opened up at these competitions as well as one that's 
uh, an award for the um, outstanding brands that come through that are getting other people to brew for them, but one that acknowledges those that are brewing for these brands so that some of the ones that brew for multiple brands and do a, a, a fantastic job of brewing their product for it, and that can be shown across um, the multiple products that they produce for multiple different brands that they get acknowledged for the excellent work that they do as well. Yep, Ian, I actually um, found the media release on the definition of contract brewer a little confusing because it talked about mastering production. I'm like, if you're a contract brewer, you're not doing any production. That's the whole point. Um, so I found that a little confusing. But uh, in New Zealand, we, in the Brewers Guild of New Zealand competition, we had a competition an award for champion manufacturer and it was exactly that it was the brewer that made the beer for the other brands under contract um and it was essentially uh awarded off the basis of the medals for those other beers that you had brewed for those other brands um so i've always found that one to be um really interesting um including because a lot of folks would have assumed that it was only the two big contract manufacturing brands that were doing it, but so many small to medium breweries produced beer on behalf of others and were right up there That's with it, it, when you when you did the medal count in terms of quality of beer that they were producing for other breweries, albeit not on the same scale. So I agree with you. I think that would be one that, um, particularly in the market the way it is today, would be great to see in Australian competitions. Yep. In other news, something that uh, was sent multiple times today, uh, following on from last week's uh, hard solo, um, there was an interesting story early this week with schoolies kicking off this week that apparently hard solo, as it's still named, um, is the uh, Buffett's drink of choice. Um, and, and we were all there um, at schoolies. We're all Buffett's. But anyway, um but, of course, that prompted an article from FAIR that I have to say I don't I find it very hard to get too riled up and angry with. Um, how Asahi created an alcoholic soft drink for kids. An alcoholic version of a popular soft drink is making headlines again as thousands of young people flock to the Gold Coast for schoolies. The company behind the alcohol alcoholic product is Asahi, the multinational conglomerate that owns Carlton United Breweries and Schweppes, the maker of Sunkiss, Solo and Pepsi Max. Earlier this year, they decided to add ethanol, to one of, and you can't glorify it any more than just saying they threw some ethanol into one of Australia's uh, most well-known soft drinks and called it a hard solo. When we see young people drinking this alcoholic product on the Gold Coast, there can be no doubt that this is exactly what Asahi had in mind. They knew, as the latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics shows, that the biggest consumer of sugar-sweetened beverages are teenage boys and young men with 68.6% of 14 to 17-year-olds and 68% of 18 to 24-year-olds, males drinking these products most days. Um, Article goes on. I, I, I don't know. Can can you argue with the you know on, on this occasion? Can you argue with the points that uh, Fair is making? Not not in uh, too deep of a way, Matt. Maybe it was just a little bit of the terming of some of the words, but that, that's pretty spot on. I just think there continues to be an opportunity for beer to set itself apart from this. And we, you know, I talked about one of the pillars being community. Um, and that's particularly true for small beer. One of the pillars of beer needs to be that we are the product of moderation and we need to really own that uh, and cultivate that. And uh, certainly that is what people are, are buying when they're buying beer. They're, they're wanting uh, lower strength options um, and we need to as vehemently as possible um, 
set ourselves apart from this behaviour. Uh, and we need to think about that in the product lines that we're creating as businesses. Even if we create products other than beer, we need to know uh, and be really thoughtful about these issues. Um, and so I just think there lies an opportunity for beer. The shit is getting worse. The big breweries are in on it. And for small beer, we can own the space of moderation and we can leverage that to to every every available opportunity in licensing discussions, in health advocacy discussions, in, in, in excise discussions. There are a range of opportunities it presents us when we are the beverage of moder- the adult beverage of moderation um, that is not actively targeting whether you're not actively targeting um, new drinkers. I do find it very, very hard to believe that a marketing team sat down and overtly expressed, if we do this, 15-year-olds will drink us. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I find it very hard to be cynical. But at the end of the day, when you do see, you know, whether it was Little Fat Lamb, those one and a half, two-litre bottles of sweetened alcohol um, you know, and, and you see the social, you see who responds to the product. And we know that marketing is, you know, the, what the five P's, price, product, placement, um, all, of those, you know, um, all of those things. It resonates with a consumer. Um, it resonates with a certain category of consumer. And when you see very visually the people who are responding to it, you know you have a problem. And, you know, Little Fat Lamb, you know, all of those class of products do very strongly show who's responding to, you know, who's picking up what you've put down. So whether it was intentional or not, you know, Hard Solo very clearly um, had an appeal to, to to the people who are drinking it. So anyway, um, moving on. Uh, now, uh, we do, I don't have uh, Brewery of the Week and having taken a straw poll before we started, um, and Brewery of the Week is brought to you by Bluestone Yeast, who can supply pitches of yeast from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you're after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call our good friend Derek on 03 8518 3172. And I'm sorry, Derek, we don't have a uh, brewery of the week because none of us have travelled and we don't like to be too Queensland-centric. We don't like to uh, sort of be stuck in the one state because there is a, a country filled with awesome breweries. So, Derek, with your permission, um, and I know you listen, so please text, um, <laughs> we're going to put this one out to our listeners, um, and I want our listeners to nominate a brewery of the week uh, that you've been to. Um, you, you know the criteria that we like, whether it's great hospitality or something that's a little bit different from other places or is a really strong part of the community. Listeners, I want you to get in touch either through the Radio Brews News Facebook group or uh, email or text and let let us know what your brewery of the week is because we would love to and I'm pretty sure we could rustle up a prize uh, or two um, for brewery of the week um, and you may even be our letter of the week um, <laughs> for, for, for doing it. So listeners, thanks to Bluestone Yeast. Please let us know your best recent brewery experience. Any thoughts on, on that? I think that's great. Uh, what are those things? I'm going to sound like an old man now, middle-aged man that I am. Those voice pipes? Speak pipe? Voice pipes. Yes, a speak pipe. pipe. A speak pipe. Yeah, there's a link in the show notes. Come, come into that. Give us, uh, uh, give us what you think is is your brewery of, of 
of the week. As Matt said, you know the requirements. One he left out there was a nice, clean-looking brewery. Uh, um, <laughs> I was actually but, um, thinking that, Ian. Please, I would, would love to hear it. Yeah, um, uh, we, we'd we'd love to hear what's what's going on in and around there. Um, and whilst there are many wonderful breweries in Brisbane that we'd like to nominate, I'm sure that the rest of Australia and New Zealand don't just want to hear what's going on in our fantastic beer scene here all the time. We don't want to make you all too jealous. Absolutely. Um, now, Mailbag. And Mailbag is brought to you by our good friends at Beer Fans. Beer Fans creates new fans for your brand. If you're a brewery or if you're a a beer consumer, they can get you uh, a guarantee on the quality of the beer that they're going to send you. So find your way to www.beerfans.shop and you'll find a link in the show notes. Or if you're a brewer who wants to create more fans for your brand and who doesn't, they can help you by going to that same address, beerfans.shop forward slash join. And there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, now, the, if you'd like to post a question uh, or join the Radio Brews News Facebook group, password says on, um, or even send us a speak pipe, and you'll find a link in the show notes to that. Um, this is Ryan Walker um, is posted this in the Radio Brews News Facebook group, and I thought it was a, a nice little one. Uh, it's quite sad seeing all of these breweries doing it tough and being stuck in the middle of an ingredients and supplies increasing in prices and retailers still wanting 40 to 50% profit on single cans as an example, but the beer to be cheaper than before as people don't have the money at the moment. I feel like this could encourage a race to the bottom where smaller breweries are forced to use cheaper ingredients and possibly produce lower standards of beer just to survive. Hopefully not, um, but certainly hurting their margins. Um, it's now more than ever important to buy quality with your money than quantity and support indie, including indie bottle shops who often do what they can to help the small guys. And I think that's a uh, you know a terrific sentiment. So thank you, Ryan, for weighing in. And uh, I think that's a, you know, the positive message that we should uh, be looking to finish on this week. I might go drink myself an indie beer next. I'm going to go have myself an indie beer tonight as well. It's beautiful, balmy indie beer weather tonight. I'm, I'm about to go down to a to an independent brewery just down the road from my house. That wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kierkegaard, Sabrina Kunz, and Ian Watson. The show is produced and edited beautifully by Joe Helder. We thank Crime Malt, Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging, Bluestone Yeast and Beer Fans, and also the Royal Queensland Beer Awards uh, this week um, for their support in making this episode possible. We'll be back next week. I actually uh, have just sat down with Paul Bowker from Brick Lane, um, someone who we've spoken to twice before. They're about to open a new venue and have a really good, you know, a, a challenging conversation about brand, hospitality, tying the two together for one of uh, Australia's larger um, independent breweries. So uh, that will be out next Tuesday and uh, look forward to hearing your thoughts on that. So uh, in the meantime, Ian and Sabrina, thank you for joining. Thank you. It's lovely to see your smiling faces on the other end of the wires again. See you Likewise. guys.